Did he say bye? Yeah, yeah. he said see ya. Oh, fuck. <laughs> now we don't have. Wait, well, now we can't end this. Podcast can't end. Can never Shit. end. Well, fuck me, so, I guess. I'm sorry that Alex had to leave. I'm so. You guys suck. I hate you all. Hello and welcome to No Refunds. My name is Dwight and joining me this week is... We'll go with you. A dinosaur. Perfect. <laughs> Alex is going by dinosaur this week. Stay tuned as to why. And, I don't know what and you are, Tiffany, I'm here. All right. So um, <laughs> this is a really special episode. I, I kind of got this idea in my head. Um, this is episode 64. And uh, what else has a 64 in it? Why the Nintendo 64, of course. So that means we're going to do a whole Nintendo 64 retrospective today. And it's going to fucking rule. I can't wait. Um, so Tiffany, uh, off the bat, what is your favorite Nintendo 64 game? and how much do you like it you're a mean person and i don't love you anymore um (laughs) i think i played nintendo 64 maybe once at mcdonald's so i'm i'm very concerned that i have nothing to add to this episode well what are we supposed to do about this then um well uh i think we need to bring in some ringers some ringers because this is a long-standing tradition on No Refunds that I am the best member of the podcast. This is like an undisputable fact. Um, so without me here, obviously, like who's going to fill fill that hole, <laughs> the Tiffany-sized hole? That's a good question. Uh, who did you have in mind? I, I, I have a personal person in mind, uh, someone who I have spent many hours playing Nintendo 64 with. Oh, is is it is it the unofficial fourth member of our podcast? Yeah, we absolutely rehearsed this. Hey, Brian, yeah. how how are you we doing? Suck. This Hello. is so. This is falling apart. I'm Brian. Hey, Brian. <laughs> Brian, you've been on this. I've been twice. on this podcast before. <laughs> I think that's my intro. Is that the classic? It's a perfect one. One okay, day yeah. we'll get it right. We always fuck up your intro. We're like, and this guy's here. Great. Um, and then Dwight, you were on a podcast this summer. I was. That was pretty cool. Yeah. So and then. The host really stupidly said, hey, you should have us on our podcast, on your podcast. And then you bothered him for three months until he said yes, because you're going to be like one of those weird people that just like DMs people forever. I was, I feel that I was very diplomatic. I gave like months in between before pestering and annoying. But yeah, so persistence pays off. And uh, we have Alex from... Crash Test Live, which I want Hi. to sing now. Hello. How's it going? Thanks for having me. This is exciting. You're very welcome. Thank you for, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, come and just bullshit Nintendo with us. It's going to be a blast. <laughs> hey, I'm glad we could make this happen because if there's one thing I love to bullshit about, it's the N64. Nice. Well, that is what we're here to do. So, Tiffany, yeah. unfortunately, oh, I this think is this so is... so sad. I know. Well... I will uh, I will study up. I will learn all about Nintendo 64 when I edit this episode. <laughs> so I will report back for episode 65. Tiffany, thank you for letting me yeah. uh, replace you. I appreciate it. You know, it if it had to be anybody, I would want it to be you. So. There's not a chance I will fill the shoes, but uh, I'll do my best. 
I have very small feet, yeah. so I'm sure you can <laughs> I was going to make that show. Wonderful. I did it. All right, I'm going to go wander around the house and just cry, probably, so. Enjoy. Oh, take take pictures, please. Oh, yes. uh, I will, oh, I'll text. Instagram. I'll text you while I'm, I will text you while I'm doing yeah. this. Okay. Yeah, uh, bye, have right. fun. Bye. Bye, thank you. Bye. Bye. So. We're going to talk Nintendo 64 today, like I said. So just I'm going to give a, a brief little history of the Nintendo 64, and then we can just get right into the meat of it. So uh, the Nintendo 64 was the third home console from Nintendo that had a worldwide release. Big caveat there, because they had a couple exclusive in Japan. Uh, it was released in June 1996 in Japan, September 1996 in North America, and in March in 1997 in Europe and Australia. There were a total of 388 games released during the console's life cycle, uh, which was from 96 to 2002. And we're going to go through all of them alphabetically right now now starting with 64 de haken tamagachi mina de tamagachi world uh dinosaur how do you feel about that one i have never hated you more in my life <laughs> that's that's my that's my big joke i was gonna say i thought there was only like 30 in nintendo 64 games because like that's as many as i could remember and i felt like that was a lot <laughs> yeah there really wasn't that many but um they all were bangers as far as i'm concerned i i fucking love the library of the n64 so truth uh, one of the things that um, we ask our guests to do uh, is come with a, a top five list prepared. And so since this was, you know, a top five uh, Nintendo 64 episode, why don't we just start off, I think, with the best way to do this, we're just listing what our top five games are. So we'll start off with our guest. So, Alex, what have you got? Okay, so when I prepared this list, I you had done me the kindness of sending me your guys' lists already so I could take a look and... Uh, hopefully not come up with a bunch of repeats. So my list was curated with that in mind because obviously there are some classics that we're going to talk about today that I think are probably everyone's favorites, but I didn't want to mention the same game three times. So first off, and this is a big one. When I first got the system, uh, I think the, the second game I got was the Star Wars game, Shadows of the Empire. And now I, before that, really hadn't played many Star Wars games. I think I'd maybe played TIE Fighter or something like that. And that was a PC game. So this, to have access to a Star Wars game on a console was really exciting. Um, the graphics, when you look back now, absolutely horrific. But at the time, really exciting to be able to wander around what felt like a almost open world. It, it's not an open world in any way, shape or form when you think about games these days. But at the time, it was pretty sick. and. Uh, I've never felt the fear of uh, being hunted by a, an ATAT quite so much. Was that the one where you're flying like the snow speeder? Yeah, the first level. Yeah. I think that's the very first level, right? Epic yeah. Hoth battle. It was wild. I was hooked. And I remember so, the yeah, Wampas I mean, in that game being a bitch to fight. Yeah, like, dude, you got to like, shoot them like a hundred times. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. The, the 3D-ness, I think, I think that was one of the early 3D games I played like period and so like flying around the uh the ATAT and like getting a feel for like the the flight in 3D space was like yep. definitely really cool and no. like li you literally did the tow cable all of it and uh yeah for for uh, someone who was already a Star Wars fan um <laughs> that was a really exciting little piece of my childhood to be able to play that for for me I never had that game and I always wanted it and my neighbor growing up got it and I remember going over to his house every day and being like, hey, can I play that Star Wars game? <laughs> and that's my experience with that game, was going to my neighbor's house and playing it. I think I only ever played it at his neighbor's house, too, so it must have been the same neighbor. Well, it, it was got really hard. 
it was like it was a really difficult game. Uh, at some point in the game, you have to fight IG88, and it was like oh yeah, virtually yeah. impossible to yeah. to beat that level. I think that's that must have been a carryover from the uh, the rental days. So this was something yeah. I wanted. Sorry to like jump in in the middle of your top five, but no. this was something I wanted to talk about. Was like this was the tail end of video game rentals, like at all like retail rentals and i remember renting like some games and they definitely designed games to have like huge spikes in difficulty somewhere in like the second or third level that would just end your rental run <laughs> and you'd have to like get your parents to like re-rent it or like just buy the game if you know if that's a really good point i've never thought about that they were absolutely like, designed yeah scaling way. the game's difficulty up at a point where you would be thinking about returning the game is genius <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think of. I ever thought about that. Wow. Cruel genius, but it's yeah, genius. But yeah. amazing. Um, but yeah, I think IG88, now I'd be curious to see if there's developer diaries about like about that game. Because I agree, IG88, I remember being like a brick wall in that game. <laughs> like, it was, just it was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Okay. So, so yeah. are we, do we stay on this or should we move on? No, yeah. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> okay. Sorry, yeah. okay, Rat. So uh, my, the second on my list, uh, I put Jet Force Gemini, which was a game that um, I just thought was probably one of the cooler platformer action uh, games for the N64. Um, I thought it was really, looking back even, it felt really ahead of its time, um, gameplay-wise, stylistically, everything. It was just so cool. And I, you know, what I love is a, is a unique property and a title that isn't, you know, necessarily recreating or redefining something you know obviously mario 64 ocarina of time like all those games were absolutely incredible and i'm sure they're on everyone's list um i didn't want to go that direction because uh they're they're a given so i i spent a little time thinking of, of titles that felt a bit more like sort of left of center and uh jet force gemini came to mind is just probably one of the best games for the n64 that i could think of um that was also not like a franchise property I adored Jet Force Gemini. It was on my short list. It was probably the one that if I had bumped off one uh, Star Fox is on my list. If I had bumped off Star Fox, it would have been on. Uh, it would have made it there. Um, that game is so uh, amazing, and it, and it was the first time that I ever really played a game where you had to go back and redo multiple sections as different characters using the different ability. Like that, there was the dog that could hover. Uh, I, I forget what the I think the guy the girl could swim. Vela and Juno. I remember their names. Um, so good. And just like the the arsenal of weapons um, was so much fun. It was almost like Ratchet and Clank, pre-Ratchet and, Ratchet and Clank. And like the tri-rockets and the way that you could like level them all up individually. And the way that that game did um, co-op was so unique where they had that little robot buddy that would fly around you. And I remember playing that with Brian and just like whoever, because that, that little robot buddy has infinite ammo and is just unbeatable it was like the best thing you just <laughs> zoom in with a snipe and just annihilate things that yeah that game made my short list as well um because mostly because i remember it fondly from the co-op more than anything and i remember it being a game that i played a lot with my little sister because the co-op like they weren't in any danger at all and so like it was great for like her to feel like she could still participate right right and then, like it was the perfect couch co-op game yeah. for a casual gamer yeah, we're in no danger. I'm I'm glad you mentioned really, that. Brian. You didn't really hold your game back either. Yeah, we weren't putting you right. in harm's way. It was just an advantage to have someone playing with you for fun. Absolutely, yeah. that was literally my experience with the game for the most part. Was because 
Brian is kind of the same age as my brother and I'm the same age as his younger sister. So <laughs> I, Reverse. I kind of, my experience with the game was the same as his sister. Like I mostly <laughs> did the co-op section where I was the, like just the machine gun. <laughs> just you were the backup bot. Fl- flying around. And I, I loved the game and it wasn't until, you know, a couple years later when I kind of, got older and my brother moved on to other things like high schooly and I got to have this system to myself that I played it on my own and I was like oh my god this game's amazing yeah I think Dwight you kind of mentioned it too I feel like that game really set the stage for games like Ratchet and Clank and Mm. you know games that came a little bit later that had a bit more um, hardware to work with uh, to create a more fleshed out game but I really think they borrowed and and pulled a lot of uh, a lot of aspects from Jet Force Gemini. Absolutely. I think Rare, like that, they were at the peak of their um, just craft back then. And like Jet Force Gemini, yeah. Conquers Bad Fur Day, so many of them were just like hit after hit after hit. It was, it was phenomenal. Honorable mention to Conquers Bad Fur Day, by the way. That was almost on my list. I didn't so play good. that one. In, I didn't play that one enough. It was like, I, I think I've played through it like once and then maybe once as uh, with Live and Reloaded or whatever the Xbox remake was. I just yeah. haven't sunk enough time into it to really remember it. It was the added, I think what it was for me at the time was that it was like the game was great and it f- had that great platformer action feel, but then, which is just something I'm a fan of, but then uh, it also was like, because of my age at the time, I felt like I was playing something I wasn't supposed to play because it was kind <laughs> of like, there was a lot of profanity and you know, Absolutely. whatever. And so I, I felt cool playing it too. So I remember a lot of kids talking about it and I think it was like one of those games that I just wasn't allowed to have or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I wasn't either. And I somehow snuck it like from a friend, borrowed it for sure. a few weeks. And yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as, as I, I sent you this list earlier, Dwight, and I'm, I'm amending it a little bit now because totally of what fine. I followed up with. So um, I was really surprised. Nobody, I don't think nobody put Goldeneye on their list. Nope. And I think for an N64 title, that one was just so crazy big. Um, you know, it was, it was, I think, A, the first time a game in mem- to memory, like, adapted a massive film in such a good way and actually pulled it off. Because, um, you know, before that, there were obviously games based on movie franchises, but they were always, like, side-scrolling platformers that had really nothing to do with the movie. It was just... <laughs> using the brand so this one was actually like you're playing the missions from the movie and i remember just being so mind blown in that first level at the end when you actually dive off the dam and bungee jump i was like this happened in a game are you kidding me um and yeah it was it was uh kind of i feel like aside from torok which was also an n64 title i think it really sort of set up the uh the first person shooter as well in a big way you know obviously uh doom and quake and and all those games were already doing their thing but it like I think brought it to a whole new generation of kids who were, who the N64 was their system, you know? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, I have to put that one on my list because it was just so revolutionary in what it was doing and what it brought to the table. I think it was the first successful, like, uh, console first person shooter that really mm-hmm. like kind of nailed the the controls and the the freedom of movement and just the the le- i remember the level design being like so complex haha complex and like fun just like <laughs> going through all the different levels and like all the different um ways that you could fail your objectives i remember being so frustrated playing through it i think it was on double low mode or whatever the the highest difficulty yeah. was it was fucking impossible I, I just could not do that but it was oh, you had to get yeah. through it like whenever you had an escort mission they couldn't take one hit <laughs> and the AI was terrible, so they were doing dumb shit. 
<laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. But... Straight line. Absolutely. No, yeah. no you're, yeah, you're more right. than welcome to swear. Natalia is a piece of shit. And Thank like, you. <laughs> she, she, she was so fucking irritating. I remember the library um, level <laughs> yeah. where you're trying to escort her and you have to get her out of a closet or something. And she just she's a bullet sponge for some reason because she's just an idiot like <laughs> oh my god i this is another game that i didn't own growing up which is why it didn't even like cross my mind to go on my list for me it was perfect dark was my yeah. first, first first person Same. shooter yeah. game that like blew my mind and it wasn't until much later that i experienced golden eye and i was like you know how it is whoever whichever one you experience first is the one you go well this is just another version of this <laughs> um, so i i played perfect dark first and then i went oh goldeneye that's just perfect dark like right but um yeah the the escort missions were just the bane of my existence but like doing golden gun shit with my friends was just yeah a, tops I, remote minds sure. in the complex, what it was all about maybe. the multiplayer again yes. was just like redefining yep. absolutely yeah. that's for sure what i remember about it most because yeah. i only ever played it at friends houses and and just spent hours killing each other and and it is funny you bring up perfect dark in the same conversation because i think perfect dark when they made it it was like a big focus at least of their advertising and from what i remember the game itself was the ai was like smarter mm -hmm. And so, like, they added all these bots and stuff that you could play around with for, like, difficulty settings and multiplayer and all that stuff. And it was, I think, in response to everybody's reaction to the bad AI and double yep. Yeah, not to not to deviate into Perfect Dark too much, but I remember because GoldenEye for multiplayer was just strictly humans. But then, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, and then for Perfect Dark, they added the bots to the multiplayer with all the different levels of difficulty. And I remember there being like the challenge mode in Perfect Dark, and that was so much fun to go through as well. I'm I'm sorry to have taken it off of GoldenEye, Alex. <laughs> no, not at all. It's funny. I wrote down I wrote down GoldenEye and then I put slash Perfect Dark because I remembered that they <laughs> built Perfect Dark off the same engine yep. and like just perfected it. So it's, it, I wanted to talk about that. It's it's hard not to mention the two games in the same breath because yeah. I feel like they are both so heavily tied to the introduction of like first person shooters to consoles and that they can be like amazing. Um, yeah, both of them, I think, probably ruined their fair share of controllers, either to <laughs> getting them thrown or Mountain Dew or Dorito, oh, yeah. whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just poured Dorito dust into my controller to make, yeah, right. to make it work, work better. better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how you dry out the Mountain Dew. Absolutely. <laughs> like exactly. putting your phone in a bag of rice. Yeah. 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 Just Perfect. toss it in the nacho cheese bag. Yep, yep. Shake it up. <laughs> uh, and then, so this next one is <laughs> a bit of a throwaway because ultimately it's not that great of a game, but it holds a very fond place, special place in my heart uh, because it was the first game I, I had for uh, N64. And um, that is Pilot Wings 64, which um, was just like dumb fun. There was, it really wasn't that complex or, uh, amazing of a game really compared to all the titles that are much better than it but uh it it just it, i don't know it was you know you got you had you parachute you have a jetpack you do some missions and it was just fun it was a fun one that was one of those games because it was so early in the cycle of n64 games it was just an exploration of the 3d space in, our, yes. in like a cool way it was like yeah 
It was, yeah, it's almost like they just had a demo for, for the, and it's like for the system to be like, here's what you can do. And then they went, well, we might as well just make it a game. For sure, yeah, because like yeah. nobody knew how to do 3D gaming on console yet, so like, yeah, why? And the know. physics engines of it, you know, like the all the dynamics of it were so, uh, I think, just basically to push the system's limits and see what it could actually do. Yeah, it's a gorgeous game. I, it's funny, my relationship with Pilot Wings is like I didn't really play the game, but um, I was actually, I think it was earlier this week, I was listening to a Pilot Wings remix on like video game remix yes. sites, um, and it's fascinating to see like some of the music that's come out of it because it's just like kind of chill music and you know i mean my favorite game of that game was i would literally get home from school and i think just like i would space out for like an hour and just play the free fly mode mm. where you're just in a wingsuit literally just flapping around an island and there was no point to it whatsoever but there's yeah. really cool music and it just kind of like it was almost like a very zen moment it was like meditating in a video game which was yeah. kind of it's nothing i'd ever done before as a kid playing video games yeah, I can't yes, think of any other awesome. games prior to that where like the the objective was there is no objective where it's just like you can live in this world. So totally. that's fantastic. I think you could take pictures in that game mode. You had a camera. So oh, you could try and get cool shots of yourself flying through things. But first photo cool. mode. Photo yeah, mode, yeah. That's one of the first photo modes in in all of video games now. Like it, it might be. I'd have to I'd have to do some searching. It might be. Um, yeah. And then my, my final two uh, are just so obvious, um, but so, just so good. Like two, maybe two of the best games still ever made. Uh, and that is uh, Star Fox, which goes without saying, I think we all probably have that on our list. Um, so we'll probably talk about this game a lot. Um, but I remember my memory of this is that I, up until the N64, I never owned a Nintendo system. Before this, I had a, my family had a Sega Genesis. So I was not really as familiar with the Nintendo titles, but I remember going to my cousin's house, they had an SNES, and playing Star Fox and just being absolutely obsessed with that game. Uh, so when Star Fox 64 came out and I got my hands on it, uh, it was just a level up from the game that I was already so familiar and fond of. Um, and I, I sank so many hours into that game because once again, it was a game where you could play through several different times with different conclusions and different narratives and different storylines uh, and come to a different conclusion. I think there were probably four different endings, three or four. Um, and you could go back and, you know, if you beat a planet on bronze, you go, had to go back and try to beat it on silver or gold and that would open up a new, you know, tangent for you to follow. And um, it just, the playability and the replayability of that game uh, was what appealed to me. And then again, I think the N64 was just so revolutionary in the way it, brought a whole new layer of like couch co-op to life for for people our age um play multiplayer on that thing the dog fights the even the dog fights against the ai were just super fun we would sink countless hours into into those game modes for sure yeah Star Fox is uh 100 on my list as well i already mentioned that briefly that my first memories with this game is i don't know if anyone's had these similar experiences i don't know if you remember going to like walmart or like target and they would have the little video game kiosks for you to play like the demos of and it was like the <laughs> yep. controller was like down near the ground because you know kids are the ones playing this and the tv <laughs> was all the way up at the top like above the the games so you i would just like my mom would go shopping and take me along and I would just stand there for like an hour and just like craning my neck up playing these games while waiting. And that was the first time I ever played Star Fox and that game. I rented it so much that my parents just broke down and eventually bought it for me because like <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was wasting so much money, like renting this game over and over and over again. I adored that game. Like, uh, like you were saying, like the multiple branching paths, just, it had like endless replayability. Um, I love that. Like you could, 
choose to let your wingmates die. You can choose to like try and save them. And if, if you didn't have them there, that would alter, um, you know, what the dialogue is and where everyone's going. Yeah. Like there was one, I think you had to like save Slippy. And if you didn't save him, like it, it veered you off into a whole nother planet. And it just like blew my mind, this branch ability that um, the game had just that level of complexity and going from, Star Fox Super Nintendo to this one. I also never had that one uh, growing up, but I remember being just in like obsessed with the graphics on that one. And then sort of having the new one and it just like moved, it was so smooth and like it worked perfectly to the point where um, I like have fallen in love with like this, not this, not falling in love with the Star Fox character, but I loved the Star Fox character so much. Like when Smash Brothers came out, it was like, that's the person I'm playing. I love Star Fox so much. So is this I, romantic I, love? It really is. It really is. I've got a Star Fox statue, man. I fucking love Star Fox. It's so great. This, this is why Tiffany's not on the podcast because he he, right. he wants to profess his love for Star Fox, right. the character. Because as long as I've known Dwight, he's just had a big old boner for Star Fox. <laughs> it's like it's like oh, hey, hey we're gonna play we're gonna play Smash. Guess Dwight's gonna play Fox. <laughs> fucking Dwight. Hey, um, most most of my memory with Star Fox is getting crushed in multiplayer by Dwight because I think I only ever played it with him, and I was terrible at it. But um, yeah, I mean, I I played through the campaign and it was it was definitely fascinating. But uh, the multiplayer, like so many of the N sixty four games, like you're saying, it's sort of that couch like just sit down. And it was the first it was the first console memories I had where like sleepover type things yes. happened where people would just like sit and just plug in a new cartridge every like hour or two and just start doing multiplayer stuff like because yep. every single game had it featured like, and it's and crazy that's, than others. that's gonna define a gen like our generation from that at that age like that's what we, a lot of us were doing we were like going to our each other's houses on the weekends and, and literally just playing n64 for 12 hours <laughs> which yeah. is absurd to think about but i mean that's that's what it was and it was like it really uh it defined a generation i think absolutely that's absolutely true to the point where when i got married um one of my groomsmen gifts was this uh this print from this guy called zach gorman and it's just four yeah. boys sitting around at n64 playing yeah brian's probably got it hanging <laughs> up in his in his uh thing that's there. so rad and, and dinosaur that. did not get one because he, he was yeah i didn't get one because <laughs> i as i would like to remind everyone i was not in his wedding party <laughs> which he reminds me constantly. But yeah, Damn. just the, the sleepover stuff is ah, so great. I, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell him that like with my dying breath. That is, <laughs> that is going to be one of the last things I say. I'll be As like, should. Dwight will be there and I'll be like, Dwight, come closer. Remember when I wasn't at your wedding party and then die. I'll never Both forgive you. you. <laughs> Both of you to assume I'll be I'll there. I'll haunt you. Yeah, I will find you again. Oh, fantastic. Uh, so amazing. I, so I think that, that wraps up yours, correct, Alex? Or, Wait, uh, uh, no, yeah, more or less. I thought he had one more. Oh, sorry, one, more? Yeah, one more. I'm so stupid. Wait, was I did, was I counting wrong? Uh so the Shadows of the Empire Shadows, Perfect Jet Dark, Force. Star oh, Fox. Golden Pilot, Eye, Pilot Wings. Wings. Yeah, yeah. I think that's five. That's five. That's five. You're right. I'm out. My bad. I'm out. Done here. <laughs> I could honestly I could I could go forever. Right, well, like, that's a big right. <laughs> and trust me when I say this that there are like you know, probably six more games that I would put in like the absolute must play, must own. Well, don't worry, don't worry. We can probably fit in more because I think we're we gonna might. hit them. To be honest, yeah, yeah we might hit some of them. <laughs> uh, I think I think next we go Brian because he's technically yeah. a guest. Oh sure, right? 
Yeah. Um, so I'm going to feel like, so mine is probably overlapping a little bit more with you guys. So sorry if that happens, but yeah. Um, I guess I'll just kick it off with Mario Kart 64, which I'm Oof. certain is on every single person's list, like as far at least their short list. But <laughs> Alex shaking his head. But like this is again one of those games where like I'm not even sure I remember playing the single player at all. Like it was just purely like hours of racing against friends and like trying to perfect your little uh drift turns and stuff like that. And like, yeah. Um definitely a fantastic game and like the first i think one of my first memories of like four people sitting down in the same room and playing a video game at the same time so yeah i remember going to a sleepover and just spending like this was like with like 10 people there and it, and we took turns for like two hours just each of us teaching each other how to do the drift mode around one of the multiplayer maps it just took us forever to figure it all out but yeah i, I block for it fights for days like we yeah. would i remember we would like um each everyone would like claim a block for it we would like to spend like 15 minutes setting up little bananas and stuff all around them and then try and invade each other god that game that game <laughs> yeah. was so good i th two things about this game one uh it established my love my deep love for wario um <laughs> so that's that's just you know something to point out uh beyond that it's it's Genuinely, I went back, I bought, uh, I had to, you know, seek out and find a couple of N64s uh, for various places in my house, just so me and friends could still play Mario Kart 64. Because I still believe that despite the fact that there have been new additions to the franchise, I still think it's the best one. I think the, the feel of it, the handling of it, the uh, simplicity of it is just so good. Like it's, I would argue that it's maybe for what it is the perfect game. They nailed it. Like one, like 10 out of 10, 100%. It's the perfect game. Yeah. Um, it has just enough exploitables to make it frustrating for people. It has just <laughs> enough like glitchy stuff that you can, you know, learn and, and pull off to make it like really nuanced, but oh, it's yeah. so damn good. Yeah. This was totally like part of that same generation of like internet searching for like how to break games yep. was only barely like starting to be a thing and so so much of it was still verbal like it was like you know i wasn't paying attention in class today and look what i found on the internet and like <laughs> check this out like and, and i remember that with like some of the mario kart shortcuts and that sort of thing too also kind of the the same era where like players guides were like required for some games and i don't think that's as true with the n64 as the playstation um, but yeah, it, I just remember like, again, that's something that just will not come back. Like player's guides, buying like a $5 or $10 player's guide just so you could beat a game just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a game that's going to be on everyone's list where the player's guide for me was, it's the only way I could get through the game. Uh, absolutely. We'll talk about that later. I, I wish I had pulled out my player's guides because I, I, I was going <laughs> to, and I just forgot to do it. <laughs> um, but I know which one you're talking about and I have it. So I, I actually, I, so I didn't own Super Mario or Mario Kart 64 growing up because one of my neighbors, it was Brian, <laughs> um, owned it growing up. So I'm, I'm mildly convinced and my parents don't think it's true, but I'm mildly convinced that my parents and his parents talked and tried to not get the same games so we would have to save things on cash like to, to save on cash and like yeah. 
because we were always at each other's houses that it was simple enough. So I'm mildly convinced that it was intentional because my household had Diddy Kong racing and his household had Mario Kart 64. <laughs> so like when we went over there, we played Mario Kart. When they came over here, we played Diddy Kong racing. So my, my experiences, my experiences with the game are solely being at his house. And I, most of the time we didn't really play Mario Kart. It was other games for us because there were just so many kart racers that it was more about finding other stuff to play or seeing cooler stuff. Um, but today I actually watched, oddly enough, it came up on YouTube for me and I was like, yeah, I'll watch that. I watched a documentary, like a 30 minute breakdown of how speed running progressed for Mario Kart 64 over the years mm. and how like there were, you know, forums to talk about game breaking oh, yeah. glitches and ways to break levels by going out of bounds at the perfect angle and landing in the perfect like vector that you would get placed on the opposite side of the start line or whatever and you could break it and like watching that video made me realize just how like cool it is to break a game like that <laughs> and <laughs> absolutely I've, I've watched a lot of like speed run videos about nintendo 64 because it's the greatest console to ever exist and don't you ever tell me otherwise <laughs> except for except for past me will tell you that it's sega genesis um Fair. but like watching videos of mario kart 64 even if i don't love the game it's fascinating it is an absolutely fascinating game to watch and watch people like destroy. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So I guess next on my list is uh, Smash Brothers 64, which is another one of those, like, I don't know that I even really remember playing it single player. Um, it was strictly like, you know, we would play one-on-one, -on -one, hold our own tournament brackets, like just practice for hours against one another or just play in party mode with like items everywhere. I remember like more than one person's birthday where like you would leave and people would be playing smash and then like you'd come back and it'd be like a whole separate group of people. And like, it would just swap in and out like constantly. Um, yeah. And this game was sort of a long-term love for me because it carried over into melee and I never got like truly competitive melee, but definitely borderline. And I know a lot of people still who play melee and like, Smash Brothers Melee in a competitive capacity. Um, so I'm still very connected to like watching competitive Smash Brothers even to this day. And like, I think it's fascinating that that all started with like this generation. Smash Brothers 64 is also on my list. So um, I, I'll say a little bit about it now. Um, this was the first game or, that I ever bought on eBay. Um, which is like such a weird crystallized memory for me. I, I don't know why. Um, this was also a game that I rented and I finally had saved up enough money and I was like, mom, show me how to use eBay. I'm going to get this game. And I ended up sending a envelope of money to some random person who I won an eBay auction for, which is like, what the fuck was I doing? Like, who knows if I'm going to get anything out of this, but I got my, I got my cart, still got it here to my, to this day. I adore this game so much. And, um, what I really loved about this was because I mean I was a giant Nintendo fan, and so seeing some more obscure Nintendo characters get love in this game, like 
really got like me really happy. Just seeing Ness in another game blew my mind because who the fuck knows who Ness is? Um, and Earthbound was one of my all-time favorite games. So just seeing him there was so cool. And being able to, you know, you punch Mario in the face as Star Fox was just a weird dream come true that I didn't know that I had. And th- this game, I'm still playing, you know, Smash Ultimate on, on the Switch. It's just like I've never stopped playing a Smash Brothers since this game came out. And uh, yeah, that's part of the reason why it's one of my favorites. So good. Well, one of my favorite memories of gaming um, growing up, I think it was Melee, but like I remember going over to Brian's house and you guys had all your friends over. I remember Brian and Dwight specifically were there. This yeah, was even before... some people who were not our friends. <laughs> right. This was, this was before I really knew Dwight that well. Um, but I remember Do you like, really know Brian, Brian and Dwight were both really good at Smash. And they were like, I had gone over, I think, to hang out with Bonnie because Bonnie's my real friend. <laughs> uh, or back then, Bonnie was like, like my best friend. And she still is, honestly. But um she was my best friend and i would just go over and often i'd just end up hanging out with brian and both of us would just sit there and watch brian play video games but this time everyone was having a tournament and they were like alex you should play and i was like oh i'm not that good and they were like no you should play so i i was like fine i'll play and they put me in and i was a kirby main at the time which is why i think it might have been melee but once again it could have been melee um, it was absolutely melee. Wait. I remember. I remember this day very well. And <laughs> and I remember first round I went up against one of you. I don't remember which one. I want to say it was Brian, and I lost immediately. <laughs> and then I think Brian then lost his next match, and then went all the way through losers. And then it ended up being Brian and Dwight in the in the final round. And I just remember watching the two of you play each other and being like how can people be this good at this game? <laughs> Which is funny because we were definitely trash. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Like in comparison to like pros or even where you guys are now, especially Dwight, I've seen you play like ultimate and I'm just like, nope, I'm out. Fuck you. <laughs> like I, you, you want to go for a walk? I don't want to play games anymore. <laughs> um, but like watching that was when I realized just how cool fighting games could be because I was never really a fighting game guy. Like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat never did it for me. But Smash was just like, holy shit, this is awesome. And ever since then, I was super into Smash games. Like Dwight said, I remember when um, Smash Ultimate, was it Ultimate? No, no, Smash 4. It was a Smash... 3ds slash wii u came out i remember going over to dwight's house when he lived in redacted (laughs) and um i remember going over there and i was like dwight i've gotten pretty good with Mega Man. i might be able to beat you and he was like well let's go and we played for like five hours of just me trying to beat him and failing every time (laughs) like i'd take a couple stocks and i'd be so proud of myself but i could never beat him and i think to this day i've never beaten dwight and you know that's the reason i i will never play smash again (laughs) you know it's kind of crazy to think about uh, with that game that it like it's been so generational and there's been so many versions of it that have scaled up in how competitive people have gotten with them but it's kind of again it's another really interesting example of a game that especially for a platform like n64 before the technology was really there to uh allow a game to be like outside of an arcade game allow it to be like truly 
played at a competitive level. I, like, I almost feel like they didn't know what they had mm. when they put this game out. I don't necessarily believe that when they put out Smash 64, they were like, this is one day going to be played at a competitive level Absolutely. because of how nuanced each character is and how each of those nuances work against each other. And it's just, it's wild to think about from there, they developed into this franchise of games that services uh, casual players who love the characters and just want to bash their friends and people who literally get paid to do this. Yep. And it's, it's crazy. Like that's that they carved out and uh, the beginnings of a, of a niche that is now massive in the yeah. gaming world. Yeah. I think a, a lot of it started with that game in a, in a big way. Again, I, on console, you know, obviously there was like competitive street fighter and things like that, yeah, but yeah. it's just, it's wild to think about the fact that this little, you know, Mario beaten up Star Fox was going to, work out the way it did and now i have to ask i know you're about to say something dwight and i know this is your podcast i'm taking okay. over please do <laughs> uh 64 what was everybody's main star fox uh, link link for me i was kirby kirby for me nice nice i nice. i have been star fox literally in every single game like it, it yeah it's, it's <laughs> yeah. not even fun to ask me because it's just star fox star fox star like, fox. <laughs> with, with with dwight you know he sings the same tune every single smash game that comes out for me, my goal was to have a different main in each Smash game because I felt like it was a way of branching out and learning new characters. And I enjoyed that sort of thing. So, like, I was that's how I remember what game I was playing. It's just like, oh, <laughs> Smash 64, I, I was playing Kirby. Smash Melee, I was playing Samus. Like, right. you can just go through and I remember my main for each game. I guess that also brings up the who was your Mario Kart? character i always remember oh. picking toad wario all the way i feel to like the point where i would i would get angry if anybody else picked wario before me like there would be <laughs> there would be altercations uh like maybe toad i i know that my my go-to now is shy guy but i think probably toad back then question mark i don't know i didn't play often enough i i think I it was Whoever was a heavyweight for me so uh, bowser wario or donkey kong whichever one of those i could rotate into I could tell you that my um, my my Diddy Kong Racing main was Tipsy. Yes, <laughs> enough Diddy Kong Racing to know. I love and, that game. And Bonnie played Timber because, and this was her reasoning, it was the name of her dog. Nice. <laughs> hey, why not? Diddy Kong. Um, I know we'll talk about it later, but the the planes in Diddy Kong. Holy shit! That was so the most sad. fun part. That was like so the number one reason. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Sorry to keep oh, bringing no, it no. up. It's all good. Um, so yeah, I guess moving moving on. Uh, so my next game is Pokemon Stadium, um, and mostly this was not necessarily for the multiplayer. I think this is the first game on my list that like I remember mostly playing it single player because it was a way to play Pokemon from Game Boy faster. <laughs> and so so I used it to like get. I basically I put the single player long enough to unlock the faster mode. And then I just did that whenever I could on this on this game, um, but I do remember like seeing seeing the the Pokemon in 3D for the first time and like battling them there against like my cousin was like a big memory for me. Like we would you know car trip to Maine and I'd be like leveling up my Pokemon on my Game Boy the whole way, and then we'd finally get to Maine like you know hours later and uh, plug in plug it into the you know the controller and start battling in 3D, get my butt kicked. Uh, yeah, it was great. That game is so much better than any modern 3D Pokemon fighting game. Like even 
regular Pokemon at this point because every single Pokemon had such personality and individuality. Like they all were individually animated and they were so great. Like I remember Alakazam's fainting still, like falling down and like the little spoon going over. That game was really cool. I really liked it. I agree. I didn't play that game all too much, but but I remember uh, it was one that I I played Pokemon on Game Boy and my friend had Stadium and I would go there a lot and we would battle and it was that, that those are my memories of that game and I just I do remember being really like blown away by seeing all of it in 3D and uh, being really excited about exactly that like seeing the animations and the the uh, you know just extra details of the characters was always cool. I remember my brother and I fighting over who would get to play the faster version of Pokemon because like <laughs> one of one of us would have to sit on our Game Boy and play while the other one got to plug it in and play on the screen and had like do the fast forward mode. I usually <laughs> lost as the younger brother always does, but every once in a while, you know, I'd pull the mom card and she'd be like, "Let your brother have a turn." And I'd get to play for like 2 hours or something and it was glorious. But yeah. that game was amazing. That and um, Pokemon Snap were like yes. two, two yeah. great games. For I me. don't know if Pokemon Snap made it on anybody's list. It was on my short it list. Didn't, it didn't. didn't it's got to be an honorable mention, though, for yeah. sure. sure. I, I wanted to bring it up during the stadium part because I knew it didn't <laughs> make anybody's list. And yeah. I just, I, I would have felt remiss if, if we didn't bring up the fact that Pokemon Snap is amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd have to go and look. But I think from Pokemon Snap, I remember my Pokemon Player's Guide has like one or two stickers from the Pokemon Snap kiosk. And if I could still find the the Player's Guide, I doubt I have it. It's probably gotten thrown away by now. <laughs> but like, yeah, it, I think that I think I went to the kiosk in Blockbuster like once ever and printed pictures from Pokemon Snap. From like a rental and then like stuck them all over my player's guide so legit Solid. yeah um that said there is a modding community for the sticker kiosks if you ever want to buy one online and mod what? it yourself uh that is enough. of course there is <laughs> of course <laughs> yeah it's amazing there's a thing for everything nowadays i guess oh yeah, <laughs> right. oh, yeah. um so moving on uh so my next game is snowboard kids 2. um i remember this this might be a little bit of a niche here but uh, I remember playing Snowboard <laughs> Kids 1 uh, at Dwight's place um, growing up. And when I like went shopping for it with my parents, the second one was out and not like the first one was nowhere to be seen. So they just grabbed that and I was like, yeah, it's the same game, right? And like, I just remember <laughs> like loving Snowboard Kids 2, mostly again for the multiplayer, just because it was another like awesome kart racer. It had hilarious characters. It was a great way to like beat up on your friends. Uh, yeah, just total classic multiplayer stuff for me i never played much too uh i was more of a one guy uh seeing as how i owned it um i do remember like literally pulling all-nighters playing one like i would go over to like jason's house and it would just be me and him just up on like we would his parents would go to bed and until the sun came up we would just literally race down mountains on snowboard kids uh, it's i like that game because it was basically mario kart but without brakes and um <laughs> all all the the weapons were like so much they like they were fun but they were also fair because like they could affect other people as well so like yes there was like you know the pan which was the blue shell but like if you shot someone with the ice cube thing you could like hit the ice cube yourself you so you still had to have some sort of like awareness of what you were doing which added another layer of like 
some strategy and then you couldn't fucking stop because you're on a snowboard so you're slamming into things it, that game was a blast yeah i remember like snowboard kids 2 was the first time i really remember like unlockables for a multiplayer like racer like mm. that too because there was a ton of like oh you get the next snowboard and the next snowboard and the next snowboard just by like playing yeah. as a group and so that was like a ton of fun for me too that's a really good point i had not thought about those games in until this moment years it's been and, but like but yeah snowboard kids was rad it was so fun i, um, I can see the dust coming out of your ears Al- as alex's memory is, for real. is shaking off like, Whoa. i can just like totally like hear the loathing in alex's brain here i mean okay. oh, oh jesus christ this is because i made you play it recently oh wasn't sorry it? dinosaurs, dinosaurs. Oh, oh i was like wait what no, no. Yeah, no if, my bad. if if you want me to tell my story of how <laughs> dwight ruined my life bullshit <laughs> you didn't have to play but brian, brian were you there too wow. or i forget no, no, this I was, was, you, was you were streaming weren't you dinosaur that's is that what it was um yeah i think it was when uh we did our retro stream together it was you and me um uh, this was back when i was trying to be a a big old streamy boy um and dwight came over to do a retro stream with me i think right around my birthday if i remember correctly i think and no it was was it was it was when i was changing jobs which would have been i think in like may oh okay then it might have been may that's fine. I don't remember when it's, it was. It's so fucking important that I brought this to a halt to, to correct somebody that. Can fact, <laughs> somebody can fact check me. Don't know how, but somebody can do it. We'll find tell, a way. T- tell Tiffany to do it. Um, so he came over and he was like, oh, I have some games that like, I, I want to play. And I had some games I wanted to play. And one of the games that he was like, oh, we should play Snowboard Kids. And I was like, I've never played that game before in my life. And he was like, what? You haven't? It's a kart racer. It's like, you know, Mario Kart, but without brakes, I think might have been how he described it to me. And I was like, cool, let's play it. And we played one level and I went, I fucking hate this game. (laughs) I was like, I was like, I fucking hate this game. I was playing as the fat guy. I I don't remember the name of the character. I was playing as a fat guy on like a starboard or something. I don't remember what the board was called. And I remember having like the handling was so hard and I like, I felt out of control. I I was just, (laughs) I was miserable. And on top of that, Dwight was fucking railing me, like just bending me over and just going, this is your first time. Like, fuck you, man. He was just relentless. And I was just like, okay, well, this is fun. And then he was like, wait, wait, I'll put in a cheat code and we can unlock everything. And we unlocked everything. And he was like, be this guy with this board. You'll definitely beat me. And I came in last place every fucking time. And I, <laughs> and I was just like, I'm miserable. Like, I don't like Oh, this. man. I feel like there's a, if no one else is noticing, there's a, there's a pattern forming here where it seems like everybody just gets invited to Dwight's place to get absolutely destroyed in games. Yeah, I mean, is that correct? It's the only way I make just, myself feel good. Yeah, yeah that's right? true. That, and and that's why Tiffany doesn't play games with Dwight. Very that's good. why she left this episode. Actually, <laughs> left the podcast for an episode. Um, exactly tangential it. to this, does it? Uh, the other one I kind of wanted to mention that I think is on people's maybe on people's short lists was 1080 snowboarding. Oh, yeah. um, this yes. is very early on. That's another one. I think I remember that more as a single player thing, again, with big unlockables. It was like, oh, I got to do this to get the 
whatever the gold man or the silver man or whatever they were yep and um yeah that was that was an early title for for this series that game just feels like a staple to me like even whether you love the game or not you definitely remember hearing 1080 like there's just 100 if you played n64 ever Mm -hmm. in the days that it came out you played that game and it was yeah i still remember the loading song it's like walk the body walk the body i don't know why that's like that (laughs) loop is just in my head like whenever i think of 1080 that's that's what comes to mind and that and like wave racer like the two like staple that i think of of games that i hated but were like everybody had them for me with 1080 i associate that more with like a tony hawk pro skater than with like anything else like for me, those oh. those games are kind of melded in my head because they were like trick games and mm-hmm. about like tying tricks together. And I, I for 1080, for me, it was doing the big jump, whatever that thing was called, where you go down a huge jump and go up in the yep. air and do as many tricks as you could and land it. It was like Olympic tricks or whatever. <laughs> I, I don't remember what the, what you call it, but... That's what I, I specifically remember about that game. But that game was fucking awesome. For sure. Um, so then my last game is uh, Mar- is uh, not Mario Kart, not Smash Brothers, Pokemon Stadium. It's Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon 64. <laughs> um, wow. Yes. Harvest Moon 64. So this was one of those games, again, talking about like player's guides being a big thing. Um, I remember I had a subscription to Nintendo Power Magazine, and it was like, one of the only things that I like read as a kid for a little while. <laughs> and like, I just remember reading through games that I didn't even own or, and never played, but this for Harvest Moon 64, it was a big thing. Cause it was like, you know, you had to learn all the strategies for like every single season and like perfect all your crops and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, big time, little, little middle school, Brian chasing digital girls in Harvest Moon. That was a big deal. I remember that game as being the one that my mom loved that I liked because oh. my mom was always like, she just didn't want me to play violent games, and like <laughs> games that had like bad themes. So like that, I think the, the few times that she walked in and saw me playing that and I'm just cutting crops and, you know, like doing yeah. all this lovely, wonderful stuff. My mom was like, oh, he's not so bad after all. He <laughs> might be. You know okay. I mean? She'd be like, these video games are all right. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, so that's my list. I mean, um also secondary to this when we were talking to 1080 like the voice you reminded me of the voice line and now i'm like trying to think like how many games didn't have a big voice line like that because like it was a huge thing in that generation it was oh, like yeah. oh, 1080 snowboarding like wave race 60 everything was extreme yes right. it was like the it was like that Come part of the, that part of the early 2000s late 90s when everything was mountain dew and extreme like it was just yeah, yeah. For sure. it was, they were definitely going hard on that <laughs> Anyway, that's my list. So somebody everything was Kool Aid guy, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, dinosaur, would you like to to go next? Because I think yeah, we, sure. I think I'll, ours have the I'll, most overlap. Yeah. In I fact, I think, say, I think I'll, yours I'll, will finish mine off if I'm not mistaken. Well, I was gonna say I'll do the two that don't line up with yours first, and then do the the three that we have that overlap, which are like three pinnacle staples of Nintendo sixty four that you know, save the best for last sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I guess I'll start with something I've already talked about several times on here, Diddy Kong Racing. Uh, for me, that was my kart racer. It was my first kart racer. I fucking loved the game. I didn't know many of the characters. Like, I knew Diddy Kong, but for the most part, the other characters were new and fresh to me and people I didn't know. 
I loved the story mode. I was super into it, which feels weird thinking about for a kart racer now. Like, I'm just like, wow, what was wrong with me? <laughs> because, because really it was the multiplayer that was what that game was sold for. And I remember Bonnie, Brian's sister, coming over all the time and playing like me, her, and our friend Tina. The three of us would hang out and just do three-player Diddy Kong racing, like multiplayer constantly. And I friggin' loved that game. It was so much fun. I really liked the way that the like <clears throat> balloons would, when you pick them up, they would like level up if you got the same balloon multiple times and you would get like the extra boost or like the, the oil spill would turn into a mine, would turn into something else. I, I can't remember what the third thing was. Um, and then on top of all that, it wasn't just a cart racer. It also was a, a hoverboard or not a hoverboard, but like a hover vehicle and a plane game. So like playing maps could then change drastically depending on what kind of cart you chose because playing with the plane was completely different than playing with the cart. And even though the hover vehicle was like kind of similar to the cart, it was also its own thing and handled completely differently. So it was a lot of fun. I, I fucking, that game, man. I couldn't agree more. I love that game. I have such fond memories of that game. And it also, for a kart racer, as you said, it, it had like a hub world. Yeah. It, it had like an almost open world exploratory component to it where you like had to unlock these different regions. And again, as you change vehicles, you could find different little hidden spots and, and little bonuses and Easter eggs and stuff. And I, I remember, I think I spent like hours just playing the hub world, like just yeah. wandering around in there and trying to find I stuff. I totally forgot about that because I didn't own the game. But yeah, that's... Yeah, well, you should have come over more to play. So. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> All I remember about the hub world, outside of like finding like the balloons places, is one of the secret characters. You had to like run him over to unlock him. It was like a right. chicken or something like that. Like, yeah. yeah. Game design. I. It's fun. Weird. <laughs> we weirdly enough, I owned the Prima guide for this game, and I like it. Seems so weird to have a Prima guide for a kart racer, but I did. <laughs> so, and I still have it to this day. <laughs> I, I did want to touch on that, Brian, when you brought up Nintendo Power. That was the only way I got player's guides back in the day was once a year mm. when my subscription was up, I would get a new one. And uh, I think I had Mario Kart. And so speaking of kart racers, I definitely had Mario Kart and Star Fox. Yeah, it, I, I had, I don't know, five or six different Prima guides and I'll list them later. Probably. I just <laughs> show I, notes or something. I, yeah, I, I might forget, but like, I mean, I'll just do it now. Fuck it. Uh, this 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 show has no fucking structure ever so why should we try now i had diddy kong racing donkey kong 64 oh, yeah. o ocarina of time majora's mask and perfect dark those were nice. my those were oh and banjo tooie not kazooie, I had <laughs> banjo -Tooie. <laughs> so i had six um but yes, so we're done with Diddy Kong Racing, right? <laughs> Moving on. Mario Party 2. Ooh. Wow. So originally I had Tony Hawk Pro Skater here, and then somebody reminded me that Mario Party was a thing. And I went, <laughs> oh, well, of course Mario Party 2, specifically the second one, is on my list. 
I know um, I, ne- I never owned the first one or the third one. I think those were the three that were on N64. I think you're right, yeah. Um, I think Brian had three. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Maybe. You guys had a Mario Party. I think we had the first one. I played okay. one somewhere. Yeah. I don't remember. You, had, you must have had one then. Because I yeah. remember I, like, I played the shit out of Mario Party 2 at home. And then I remember going other places and assuming everybody had the same Mario Party as me. Because <laughs> I was like 10 and didn't know like, what the fuck was going on. And I remember going over to someone else's house and playing Mario Party and being like, "This isn't right. Why? Why is? Why isn't this good?" I wonder and, with Mario Party. Oh man, yeah, Mario Party one was much worse than the second one. Yeah, that's the all. Sec- I was really the second one is so good. I I played so much of this game. This is a game that is literally made to be played multiplayer. I don't know that I ever played it single player or mm-hmm. why I would. That sounds miserable because. <laughs> The point of this game, and th- this is probably why Dwight likes it, is to make your friends feel bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for someone to say it. it. Like, the point of this game is to fucking destroy your friend's psyche and soul yes. and yeah. to steal their stars and to the, make the sure they have... of the 3v1 games, that alone <laughs> tells you what, what you need to know again. It, it's so it's so much fun and like i i say it in jest like the the game is actually just a lot of fun a lot of fun to play with your friends doing like 2v2 3v1 like free-for-all games it's always fun it's always fun that they have like one weirdly masturbatory game that (laughs) it's just like yeah you gotta practice somehow um (laughs) it's weird but i i've always loved the mario parties they're been a couple falters but for the most part it's a great series sort of tangential to the uh the gross comment there um (laughs) i wonder if anybody still has the nintendo official blister gloves dude mario party one does anybody yeah i want to bring this up because this is the only game that ever physically hurt me center of your palm yes damn stick tape the stick and it grip or anything to it yeah i feel Uh, like that's one of the universal truths is if you play mario party you had that blister yes for sure yeah so nintendo had to like give out gloves for that and i wonder if they're in a museum somewhere because that's like (laughs) that's an artifact i would love to have somewhere around that's so good (laughs) <laughs> i never played uh, two or three that much but i know two i think is the one that everyone really likes i know that's why it's on yours alex right yeah i'm i i don't i don't know so excuse me sorry if I, my mic picked up my burp uh <laughs> we're a very professional podcast here um i don't know if it's uh, like uh universally regarded but in my opinion it is easily the best mario party i've played and i think i've played Almost all of them. I missed one on the GameCube. Maybe Mario Party 4 or 5. I don't know. But I've played almost all of them. Two still stands the test of time as the best. (laughs) At some point or another in the franchise, they sort of softened it up and made it less brutal, I found. When I played the later ones, I was like, wait a minute. This isn't letting me absolutely humiliate people anymore. And I don't <laughs> right. like Nobody it. Nobody hates me. This is and then, I, yeah. and then I had to scale it back and I got my N64 out and so I do I think it was two actually. And I started playing two again and I was like, ah, there it is. My yeah. friends hate me again. Two. Um, yeah. two is the one that has Cowboy Mario like punching the sky right on the front. Nice. Yep. It's it's so good. Is Dwight about to pull it out to, yeah, to either prove <laughs> prove me right or prove me wrong? I got it here somewhere, this. I thought. 
Yeah, with the cowboy right there. That one, right? That's yeah. the one. Yeah. He's punching the sky. He's punching the just sky like in you're one, supposed to, one just as, like in one to as well. Punch your enemies. Right. Um, yeah. If anything, he's punching the camera, and it's a symbol that he's going to punch everyone. Right. He's going to feel Mario's wrath by playing this game. Uh, but yeah, that's that's Mario Party Two for for everybody uh, that's keeping track. So <laughs> now we're moving on to the final three, the big three. Uh, I think we should start with maybe my personal favorite of the three, but maybe not the best of the three or the highest regarded, which is Banjo Kazooie. Um, this game for me was the first like adventure game that I played all the way through on my own because before this like um, a lot of games uh, like Ocarina of Time which we'll talk about later were too dense for me as a younger player and Banjo-Kazooie was the perfect level of difficulty and fun um, for my like young mind to really be able to sit down and like comprehend and stick with and this was the first one that I beat and I went oh holy shit this game's amazing and I fell in love with everything like the game mechanics the characters of Banjo and Kazooie and like Gruntilda and just everybody in the game was just so like uh well fleshed out and just amazing and then the score for it which might be like my favorite thing about it. Grant Kirkhope did an amazing score for it. And <clears throat> I still listen to it to this day. I love it. Yeah, this one also is on my list. Um, I don't know. I don't, these weren't ordered for me, but uh, Banjo-Kazooie is definitely like probably top two. Um, I absolutely adore this game uh, for every reason that Alex just said. Um, this felt like a natural evolution of Mario uh, Super Mario 64, whereas like Mario was really based around like precision jumps and that sense of like movement that you get. This was more based around um, move sets and power-ups and just like um interacting with these insanely large worlds and then there were at least insanely large worlds at the time you go back to them now and they're like thumb size um the uh mumbo was so cool like the uh, concept of um transformations and like changing your character and your abilities mid-game um was so much fun and like trying to figure out what the next one was going to be uh was super crazy i remember the i was so hyped for this game when it came out because nintendo power used to send out vhs tapes as like advertisements for their things and i had this one and i just watched it over and over and over again and the nintendo 64 was weird for um at least i think for our generation because this was the last um console cycle where i had no control over what video games i was getting for it I was completely at the mercy of my parents' yard sales or um, like birthdays type of deal. So Banjo-Kazooie was the first game I ever bought like with my own money. Like I saved up forever to get this game. And I was just like so excited and happy to get it. Um, this game, it just holds super special place in my heart. Uh, Spiral Mountain um, was so much fun to just fly around. And just the the hub world of Gruntilda's lair um, is has such a like unique charm to it. It's... Yep. Ah, so good. Um, and speaking of Diddy Kong Racing, that was the first place I think where Conker and Banjo were introduced. So now whenever I go back and play that game, I have to play as Banjo because like he's yep. just the best. He's so great. Yeah, that's awesome. I I one of the things when um Alex 
which is not me. Uh, when <laughs> Alex mentioned the hub world from Diddy Kong Racing, it reminded me of Banjo-Kazooie. Like, these are two games that I grew up loving. They're both by Rare, so maybe that had something to do with it. But, like, they both had hub worlds that I, I remember, like, exploring a bunch and loving just the, the ambiance of them. So, yeah. Well, I totally ripped yeah. off Alex by saying the hub world was good, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that was, like, that was the thing, though. Like, a bunch yeah. of games figured that out, and it was so... It, it, I think what was cool about it, is, and you spoke to this perfectly, Alex, is that it was, like, it was at an age where I feel like we were, like, just too young to, to be able to deal with, like, the, the depth and volume of a game like ocarina of time which i guess yep. we're gonna get to but it was like that game took me years to actually beat yeah i had to get older to understand what i was actually doing <laughs> yeah. you had to get the master up. sword yeah you get yeah, the master like, sword you get you become older you you play ocarina of time exactly i had to i had to go to the time temple in order to understand that game um but yeah like banjo kazooie was the perfect entry point for what that game was meant to be and what what like a, a deeper adventure game could look like and uh yeah, I think I think it was that like when I first got that game again, it was I spent like hours just exploring the hub world before doing anything else, before even playing the game. <laughs> it was just wandering around. Yeah, mostly my memories of that game were were kind of tangential because I didn't own the first Banjo Kazooie, um, but I do remember like hearing and listening to the music, like either watching Dwight or whatever. But like the the music, the fact that the music was dynamic in the yes. in the Gruntilda's oh, layer. Yeah matters so much and it was like one of the first times i remember like like a game paying that much attention to to music being like important to building sort of this like space that you're in um yeah it was it was fascinating for sure banjo tui was the one that i owned and i owned it kind of later on i think it was a late release in the N64's lifetime, if I remember right. Um, and that game was like much too complex. Like, I don't think kids would even enjoy it the same way. Cause like, I do remember needing a guide to even to play through that one. Absolutely. Yep. I, I, I just feel like Rare was always, in my opinion, always on a different level with their music. I feel like even in their SNES game, oh, game yeah. their music has always stood out to me and it's like mostly by David Wise and Grant Kirkhope. And like, I, you know, there are a bunch of Nintendo games that are done by like Koji Kondo and like big names that are memorable. But I feel like every single Rare game, I could always count on it for having a memorable score. And sure. Banjo-Kazooie and even Banjo-Tooie did not disappoint in that regard. Yeah, I still go back and listen to Aquatic Ambience every once in a while. Yeah, so Aquatic like, Ambience. Kong, right? Yeah, DKC. Yeah, it was Aquatic Ambiance was my fucking uh, alarm song for <laughs> like two years in college, which seems weird because it's a little till too chill. But <laughs> it would wake me up. It was it's a it, peaceful it, way to wake up. Yeah, it's yeah, a peaceful way to wake you up. out of sleep. Um, but for me, like Banjo is one of those games that has stuck with me over the years. Like. Um, things like Diddy Kong Racing and Mario Party 2, I come back to every once in a while, but like Banjo-Kazooie, I replay every couple of years, like two or three years. I remember one night Bonnie came over when they released it on Xbox 360 and she was like, uh, you want to play Banjo-Kazooie? And I was like, it's like 10 PM. You should go home. And she was like, 
no, I'll just spend the night and I'll watch you play it. And I played the entire game through its entirety in one sitting and she just watched. And I was like, well, that's over. And she goes, is Banjo Tooie on there too? And I go, let's discuss that tomorrow. (laughs) And then the next day she came over and we did the same thing with Banjo Tooie. It's just, man, those games are so good. Absolutely. Tooie, I remember, like, gave the N64 trouble. I remember, like, playing it, and, like, it had massive frame rate issues, and it just chugged, which uh, did not happen that often. Yes, you're absolutely right, and it's reminding me of something I wanted to talk about, too. This was the first console, and I don't think they've even gone back to this concept, but the expandable memory chip thing, like, they had planned out needing to expand the RAM in this thing, like, that's hilarious to, like... Yeah, there was the mystery slot that for a year and a half, you had no idea what it was for, and then all of a sudden, it was like, you gotta buy this thing. If you want to play Donkey Kong or Perfect Dark... Gotta shove yeah. that right. You gotta get that red. Yeah, that was the game that did it for me. It was Perfect Dark. Yep. That's a really good point. I couldn't. I don't remember why I had to get it, and it was for Perfect Dark. Yep. I also uh, remember with Banjo Kazooie. Uh, do you guys remember the the stop and swap stuff that they were originally going to do? This is like, not at this point. It's not deep gamer lore, but it's like when you beat Banjo Kazooie, if you had hundred percented it, you would get all these like teasers for Banjo Tooie, and this was way before the game you know was even announced. Like they announced it in the first one, and there was like all these hmm. hidden eggs that you could find. Like uh, in the ice level, there was this like wall of ice that you couldn't get through, and there was an egg behind it, and like there was like this big lore about like whether or not these eggs were going to be obtainable in the next one, and they there was supposed to be a thing where you could like swap the game cartridges and like link the games in a weird way, almost like like um fucking like sonic and knuckles like that's i think what they wanted to do but it never came to fruition and so it's just been like lost to time what this originally was going to be and it's it makes me sad man sonic and knuckles that's a game yep oh yeah dwight would you like to um talk about the next game sure i assume that um so going from banjo uh we're gonna kind of devolve here and uh, i already mentioned this one uh super mario 64 is uh, another you know just absolute classic i've recently played through this one now because it's re-released on the switch uh this game i think still super holds up this was the first time playing a game that i felt like i had complete freedom um you get that wing cap you can go anywhere in that blue nine-year-old me's mind or however old it was 10 whatever it it was ridiculous just the um the level of detail like i felt like detail just of these worlds that you could go anywhere within it at any point and um the camera i still contend that the camera is fantastic because nine times out of ten you don't even notice it like i feel like you don't really need to control it. it's only like that one time when you're trying to get it to go through a wall and it's slamming into it and and it that sucks it was such a perfect transition into 3d that uh, like i feel like modern gaming in general owes everything to this game because this is like the first game that really just nailed it and Mario 64, I mean, what can I say that hasn't already been said about this game? It's just amazing. Yeah, such fond yeah. memories. And I mean, not just to touch on the camera thing, by the way, not only was the camera revolutionary and incredible, but it was also in character and canon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, it was like a, a thing in the game. It was, there's a I, reason it did what it did. I made a joke to Dwight the, the uh, this is a Dwight the other day, which was really like a month ago, but... The other day for me can be anywhere from last week up to three to four years. So that's the right. other day. <laughs> I made a joke to Dwight the other day 
about how I like to pretend like Lakitu is the cameraman for every game I play now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, unless it's first person, in, in which case then Lakitu might be running a camera behind that person, but I can't see them. Uh, but that's my that's my um, that's headcanon head 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 for all video games that have a third person angle. I like that. We should we should commission Maddie to do some art of Lakitu filming like the Assassin Creed guy. And, Just uh, a deity. He's a he's a yeah. inter game universe deity. Yeah, Lakitu filming a uh, like what's it called? Um, Covering esports. <laughs> esports. Oh my god! Yes. It makes me think of like, yeah, like Splinter Cell or something yeah. really like dark oh. and graphic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any Tom based, and then there's just this little guy on a cloud hanging above. Gears yeah. of War, I, Marcus Phoenix is sawing something in half and then there's just Lakitu yeah, yeah. hanging out. I wanted to say Metal Gear Solid. I was trying to remember oh, the name go. of that game. I wanted to say Snake and I was like, that's not the name of the game. Snake. Snake. It's a very different game. It was my favorite game for my Nokia 9000 phone that I got in eighth grade. Yes. Yeah, sure, to play during algebra or <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I played it on my TI-83. Yeah, sure. Because I had Drug Wars on my TI-83. That was the game. Oh, yeah. Drug Wars? Yeah. Did yeah. you was... not play Drug Wars? No. Alex, we should like do a whole episode on Drug Wars. <laughs> Holy shit, that would be amazing. I just, dude, that was a whole thing in my school. Like TI-83s were almost like, despite being an essential item for school uh, that you needed for your education, uh, they were almost banned because the game Drug Wars was such a problem uh, in, our, in my grade. Like, yeah. That's fantastic. I love it. Well, shit. That's a, that's a tangent. Sorry. Yes. No, no I, We go off on tangents on this show so, so often that I feel like it, we're doing a disservice to the show by, by not, not going by actually talking about Nintendo changes. 64. We finally yeah. found one. <laughs> we're staying on topic too much. Our fans, all six of them, are going to be very upset. <laughs> uh, but back to Super Mario 64. I also, just like Dwight said, I just play, replayed the um, the remake <clears throat> or not remake uh, the re-release for the Switch, and I like everything he said hold, holds true uh i fucking it immediately took me back to my childhood and reminded me of how fun and freeing the game is like you go into the castle and at first you can only go into one door but then once you get some stars you have your pick of the entire first floor really you can go wherever you want you can get whatever star you want and i remember just feeling so confused for a little bit like this isn't how games work right and then younger me was like i guess this is how this game works and then i just fell in love with it i never finished it though because bowser was always too hard for me it was that it was one of those situations where i'd call my brother and be like nick like can you kill bowser for me or like one thing that always gave me trouble was the second mama penguin race it was because i couldn't use the the cheat i couldn't use the shortcut so i would call my brother and be like hey do this for me so i never really beat it on my own i always needed my big brother's help um but i finally beat it when i was like an adult and um i guess i'm an adult right guys am i an adult supposedly yeah <laughs> sure allegedly <laughs> yeah 
the government tells me I'm an adult. I think what I love the most about that game, Mario 64, was just the replayability. Once again, like you can pick it up now and play it, but even even then when I was obsessed with it, just going back and going back into worlds and like completing them. Because at first you just kind of wanted to rush through to the next zone and and unlock another door and and kind of power through the game, or at least that's how I treated it because I was hyper and just wanted to move on. Um, But then, you know, you'd beat more areas and then you want to go back and like get the rest of the stars from the first level um and i think that was uh that kept you playing for a long time and considering that was the really the first title that came out with the console like to have it that fleshed out and that advanced uh before the console even dropped is is really it's a testament to the release of the console itself you know what i mean like to have a game that figured out and that dialed in and that big and expansive and replayable and amazing um yeah, it's that one. I think that's probably my list aside. If you had to do like the objective universal best games for N64 list, I mean, that's easily, easily number two, which is where it's sitting in our list right now. But yeah, Mario 64 is like one of the best games of all time, like in terms of like yeah. every console ever created. Um, yeah. And it, I think it speaks to the testament of the, our li- uh, of this console in general that uh, throughout both of our lists, um, we've had both of the launch games on here. This, the N64 launched with two games, Mario 64 and Pilot Wing 64. Those are both on the lists. So uh, yeah, this is like it, what the N64 lacked in quantity, it more than made up for in quality because it was just everything was basically stellar. The way I got this game was really fucking weird. And like looking back on it, a little shady because my my family um we bought a couch from just someone this was like pre craigslist so i don't even know it must have been they found it in a newspaper and i remember going over to these people's houses like and like looking at this couch before my parents picked it up and i remember they had an n64 there and while we were there uh, i was playing um shadows of the hitting my mic (laughs) very excited about this shadows of the empire um it was the first time i ever played it played hoth super fun and then when we got home um at like a month later we were sitting on the couch and i like stuck my hand in between the 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 cushions and i just felt and pulled out mario 64 so this family definitely lost mario 64 and i remember going to my parents and being like hey i found this in the couch and they just never gave it back like they never contacted us which is like looking back now what a fucking terrible thing to do Your parents were probably trying to negotiate the price for the couch and they couldn't quite get them to come down as far as they wanted. So yeah. when they found that game, they were like, you know what? We pay for that game too. Yeah, that's $60 yeah. right there. And so they, <laughs> so, so they then sat like on my parents' like hutch or whatever it was until Christmas when I finally got my N64 for that Christmas. I like the canon that uh, <laughs> Dwight's parents were just like, yep, this is, uh, this is payment. <laughs> exactly. They owe, they owe us $60. We're taking this game. It's funny because it like, belongs to us now. I remember like telling that story when I was younger and being like, oh yeah, this is no big deal. It's just funny. Ha ha. We found it. And now I'm like, holy shit. Like, what were we thinking? It's just ridiculous. <laughs> you stole maybe, it. Yeah. We stole from these people. Like, maybe <laughs> the statute maybe, of limitations is up. I think, no, so, yeah. my, I, think you're, I think you're justified. I think here's my thought process, and I might be crazy. Uh, maybe your parents went back to the house to return the cartridge and when they got there they found the building to be abandoned and derelict as if no one had lived there for 20 or 30 years <laughs> and you and then, they, and then they went at home and found out that the couch was actually cursed <laughs> and that's how you turned out the way you did there was never a family there at all <laughs> yeah so 
That's my head cannon. Yeah, great. Nice. I'll I'll agree. End of podcast. Yep. All right, that was awesome. Thank that. you all very much. Uh, so Alex, do you want to dinosaur? Do you want to touch yeah. on number one, or did you have anything? I think else it's it's now time to talk about the the game that I think everybody expected us to talk about. Eventually, it is generally regarded as one of the greatest games of all time. Though you know you're not going to hear that from me. You put, uh, you put it on your list. Shut up about Majora's Mask. <laughs> Ocarina of Time. Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. It is a fucking masterpiece. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't even know how to talk about this game without just splooging all over the screen. I just, like, this game is everything young me wanted in a game. It was open world in a way that I had never experienced before you were playing this young kid who was going through some serious fucking shit. Like the first dungeon is going into a dying old tree man, which was <laughs> dark for like 10 year old me or however old I was nine years old. And I was just like, what am I playing? The score was phenomenal. Um, the, the, character of ganondorf as the villain was was excellent and scary like each area of the map like the the gorgon area and the zora domain and all like the kokiri forest everything felt so unique and like gerudo valley like all these places felt unique and like lived in i just it's just such a good game and for how early it is in like the life of games, really, when you think about it, it is so vast. There's just so much to do. Oh, yeah. Like, yep. you, you, you hit that. Yeah. You did, no, broadcast over. Yep. Yep. Uh, no, you, I, it's very interesting. You bring up like the idea of like the different like biomes and stuff like that. Cause like that is something that I never really like crystallized as a kid is like just the difference in you know, the, the map variety and the temple variety. Each of the temples is so fun to go through. And then it does what all good Zelda games or all Zelda games back then kind of did, which is like, you have to then play through the, the game twice, really. Like once the, once you do the time travel mechanic and everything has changed, I remember that like completely, um, they didn't blow me away because I'd played Link to the Past, but it was just so uh, shocking and like scary like coming out of the temple of time and like having all those re-deads or whatever they were there like those zombie Mm -hmm. things that like latch onto you was fucking frightening as shit and just like the feeling of like finally beating ganon and like that triumph at the end like this was like the first time i played a game and i felt like like fuck yeah i did this like it was just such a cathartic like slaying evil and um yeah i i still just love every aspect of this game is so just beautiful and that game made you earn it you know what i mean that i to your point there finishing that game i i said before it took me years when i first played that game i was not old enough to fully fathom the depth of that game and play it to completion there was just no way it was too complex some of the parts were way too hard the the, especially once you got to the temples it was like uh, come on um and we were talking about the guides that was a game where i absolutely relied on the guide to get me through certain points because it was just pretty complicated and um yeah i mean also to the tone everything i mean you have to think like they made this game 
so beautiful and expansive and felt so open world, like nothing really we had ever played before at that point in a game. But if you go back and look at it now, it's so limited to what the system can actually do. And yet they pulled it off because there's that crazy sense of like, this world is really alive. There's all these NPCs that you can find and connect with. And, but at the same time, as you went from biome to biome and temple to temple, it was also really lonely. There was a really like crazy feeling of loneliness. So it balanced despite not being, you know, a, a graphical masterpiece at the time it was, but now it, you know, it certainly isn't. Um, but like it, uh, it still conveys like this crazy emotional dynamic between feeling like you're in a living world and also a world that's like kind of going through some shit. And I remember feeling that on an emotional level at a young age, to your point, Alex, like you go inside a dying tree in the first 10 minutes and like, you're just like, what is happening? Why do I feel this way playing a video game? It was okay. crazy. Like there would be nights where I would have to put the game down because it was, I'd be playing and it would be getting dark outside and I would actually get a little bit spooked. Like I'd get nervous playing the game and be like, I'm, I think I'm scared. I think I'm going to turn this off till tomorrow now. You know, yeah. it was like and nothing had ever done that to me before. Yeah, Absolutely. and it, it all amps up when you when you go into the adult mode, like like yeah. Dwight's saying, because like the very first temple, it's like that creepy like werewolf howl just keeps like showing up all over the place, and like yeah, yeah. oh yeah. At one point, you go into a fucking whale's stomach. Like that game was out there. Like it was Jabu just Jabu's like, belly yeah. to this day is the best dungeon ever created. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's so good. See, it's a well done escort mission because yeah. you, you yeah. have to keep you have to keep picking up the princess and throwing her. It's kind of her to the yeah. next. Yeah, it's like throw her onto the elevator and then just say bye. Yeah. That's cathartic. Talking to the complexity of that game too. I think I remember just like schoolyard stories of kids getting stuck forever in the water temple and stuff yep. it's like like because like there were ways to like get trapped in loops within that game it was like yeah yeah, yeah. I, I this is another game that i didn't finish until years later like alex said i still I, don't think i finished I, it <laughs> i didn't finish it until i was probably in college when uh, they when i picked up the 3ds re-release because I needed my brother. I couldn't even do like the spirit or the shadow temple. Like the late temples were too hard for me. It was like I got through the water, fire, you know, the earlier temples. And then it was just like, well, Nick, you can finish my, this playthrough for me. <laughs> and he'd be like, nah, I got better things to do. So it would just be left unfinished. I remember early on in my days of playing that game, I actually, I gave the game to one of my older friends uh, and had them play further into it for me just so I could see what was happening because I would always get jealous seeing how far he was in the game. Uh, and then I remember getting the game back and picking up from his save slot that he got me to and I just couldn't even play the game anymore. It was too hard yep. and too complicated. And then I think I got frustrated with Zelda at that point, put it down and then came back to it years later. I went, I think I'm going to do this for real. And that was the first time I'd ever actually played through the game to, to wrapping it up, which is just, yeah, again, wild. The first time I played through it, I, I had borrowed it. And so there was already a save, uh, a save file on there. So whenever I would get frustrated or stuck, I would just go into that save file and just like fuck around for a little while and then go back <laughs> so to my arts. Exactly. Yeah, it was insane. And they had like the double hearts or whatever, like with the, the, the when you get like all the Skulltellas or whatever, which I never yep. did. That was insane. Like getting all the little gold Skulltellas, that was uh, gross. And I, I could not do it. This, this game I remember playing, like, this is one of those games that like I, I stayed up way past my bedtime to play this game. Like I, I had a TV in my room and I would 
um just play until like you know ooh, 11 o'clock or whatever i don't remember how old i was but like i would have it so like as my mom like would because i would have my door shut and she would come in and i would just be ready to just shut it off and just like leave it paused and be like i hope that nothing kills me i hope that i pause in the right spot <laughs> and that is how i originally like beat this game was like 1 a.m just in on a school night randomly the sneaky hours that nobody knew about oh yes mm-hmm. yeah Dwight, you naughty child. What can I say? <laughs> a rebel. I think this has been a pretty great list, and I know that we're probably short on time, so stop me if this is like going beyond the pale. But um, <laughs> something I did want to just throw out there is like honorable mentions that people didn't really get a chance to talk about. That they, if if somebody was going to run an N sixty four party today or tomorrow, what would be the games here. to like to hit on that we didn't talk about? There are a few for me, but I thought of one that came to the front of my mind uh, as we were talking, and it was Bomberman 64. Me too. Nice. Me too. Nice. Oh and that was another one that was just so good and such a fun like party game. It was one that we would always bust out late night with like you know the right group of people, and yep. it was just the multiplayer that was so fun. Yeah, that one, that, I completely forgot about Bomberman, but it was That so is cool. literally the reason I asked this question. That's so And I'm funny. so glad that you brought it up. That's awesome. Yeah. Glad I could come through. We That's couldn't fantastic. have planned that better. Absolutely. I, uh, we, I did, remember, we did plan that. I remember <laughs> renting, renting that game from Movie Scene or whatever the fuck it was called back then. Yeah. Sorry, I curse a lot, man. It's all good. Um, Video update, I think. And... I remember, oh, it was video update first. You're right. It was movie scene later. I remember renting it from video update and going home. And I think Bonnie and Brian came over and we played it like all night. Just the four player, me, my brother, you, your sister, just like throwing bombs at each other in that, that freaking square, just (laughs) wrecking each other. I just remember having so much fun doing that for hours on end. Um, yep. Yeah, I guess for other party games for me, like a couple that that come to mind are like Mario Tennis was a ton of fun in multiplayer. NFL Blitz was a ton of fun in multiplayer. Yep. Um, yeah. The the it surprised me how many games like made my short list. Uh, just going through this, I was going to bring up Mario Tennis, the introduction of Waluigi. We talked about Wario earlier. Waluigi, yeah. man. There yeah. we go. Gauntlet Legends, another one. Yeah, I was going to bring up. That's what I was going to bring up. Gauntlet Legends, like that is a game. It's a great multiplayer game, but it's like a long multiplayer game. I remember having friends come over and I would be like, bring a memory card. (laughs) We're playing (laughs) Gauntlet Legends. (laughs) Fucking hell. The the N64 memory cards were so shit. My mind was always getting corrupted. Yeah, everybody would slap in their memory cards and we would load up our characters and you know, blue wizard, yellow Valkyrie, you know, that shit. And we just go oh, yeah. at it for hours. That was so, it was so good. Gauntlet was amazing. I, I just thought of two more, not to drag this out too long. No, keep going. We're yeah. going deep in, we're going deep into the, into the depths right now. Do you remember mystical ninja? Yeah. Yeah. Like Goemon or whatever. Yeah. You like yep. got into yes, like a big mech dude. suit at some point during that, that game rule. Yeah. Yeah. That was a rental for me, but it was one that I rented over and over and over again because I was obsessed with it. And then lastly, Quest 64. Yes. Which was this turn-based RPG. And it was, I remember that being one of my very first real like kind of turn-based. I don't even know if it was that good of a game, to be honest, but it was was graphically for the time really cool to see a turn-based RPG where your spells were like visually stunning to watch. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, you know, obviously Final Fantasy was around this, a similar time and that was just like beyond good. But, <laughs> but because I, I didn't actually have a PlayStation, I was an N64 kid. So Quest Same. 64 was kind of a, uh, it was one of my first deep dives into like a turn-based uh, RPG style game. And that one kind of got me into that genre in the first place. Um, did we ever talk about the pod racing game? No, <laughs> oh, that's another <laughs> that's game. pod racing. Pod how, racing fucking how did, ruled. How did that not come up when we talked about uh, Star pod Wars? Like right at, well, Star Wars was right at the beginning. I feel like that was prime. We should have hit on it then. Best way to play Rogue Pod Squadron too. Yeah, Rogue Squadron so good. Best way to play Pod Racer was you could play it with two controllers, and yes, each one would each one would control each one would control an individual engine. So that was yep. fucking so cool. I kind of got off track, but when um, Alex was talking about Quest, that reminded me of my first like RPG kind of game, which was Ogre Battle '64. Oh, I don't know. This yeah. was hitting on my my list here. Oh my god! I'm sorry <laughs> to be stepping on your toes, Dwight. I just like that you've brought the visual aids. <laughs> Ogre Battle '64 was one of my. It, I think it was my first like um, tactical kind of RPG. It was. Yeah. The game was hard. Was, I, I, it was hard. That game I put like 40, 50 hours into, and then I got the bad ending, and I was so fucking disheartened because I was like, what was the point of this? Same. I had no idea what I did with it, <laughs> and I just I failed it. It oh, broke yeah. my heart. I'm also a big yeah. fan of uh, Mega Man 64. It's so yeah, weird yeah. and different, but I'm just a big Mega Man fan, so I liked that one a lot as well. There was one more that was like a side-scrolling but sort of 3D rendered uh, game. I think it was called Mischief Makers. Oh, yeah. I don't know I, if you guys remember I, that one. Yep, yes, there you it go. Was. <laughs> there it is. Dwight just owns fucking every game. <laughs> every game, yeah. That was a, a good one. one, though. Like little yeah. jetpack and boosts, and uh, it was that was a fun platformer. Yeah. Shake, shake. That one was so good. I, I love yeah. that game. Yeah, along with that, in the like sort of two two point five D space, Yoshi's Story was yeah. a big yeah. one for me. Was another. That was a rental for me as well. Anyway, so thanks for. Thanks for letting me gush a little bit about kind of the the short list that wasn't so short. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think we got most of the things I wanted to talk about here. The only major thing I had on here was uh, Mad Cat's controllers. This was my first real experience with a shitty oh, yeah. second party controller. God damn wow. it! Oh, I I actually so inside baseball. Brian you mean the and I friend were, controller. Yes. Brian Brian and I were Sister in Discord before we started recording, and I mentioned that I I was like I need to make sure I bring up Mad Cat's controllers, and I totally forgot. We've been here for like an hour and forty minutes, and I forgot. Ah, too yeah. good. God damn. I, it was the only way I could beat my brother at certain things. Like I had to have my turbo controller and I'd still lose sometimes. <laughs> ah, too good. So anyways, um, well, thank you guys both so much for, uh, for coming on. I guess we'll wrap it up, Alex. I know you gotta, gotta head out. So, um, thank you so much for, for taking time out of both of your busy schedules to sit here and just bullshit Nintendo 64 with us. It, uh, Hell has yeah. been a, a, a so much fun. I, I, I've had a blast with this. So, Thank you guys so much for having me on. This was a, uh, I'm glad we made this happen. This was rad. Same. Yes. Appreciate I, it. I hope I wasn't too pestering and annoying to get you to come on here. here. Dude, That's not cool. at all. That was, it was great. I'm glad just my schedule was so crazy over the last couple of weeks. And I was like, for the second we had you on and said, I want to come on your show. Uh, I was like, man, this, I, I, I offered that up at a terrible time because I've just been traveling like crazy and had so much going on, but I'm really glad this worked out. So thank you. Yeah. I, I knew you were coming on this week. So I went to see, I went to like your stream the other night and I was like, which one of these guys is Alex. I need to learn something about him. Nice. 
you guys were talking about animals and i got so confused oh yeah i was talking our podcast to, is absolute nonsense there's i was no... talking to people in chat like people that i knew from ricky's stream and i was just like oh this is cool and That's then amazing. and then i met you so, so here, here we are now and brian it's great to be you guys thank, thank you. you yeah brian was really grumpy he was like why did you spring this on me i don't know what's going on i was just like i felt a little bit bad because like i don't really know you <laughs> like, don't hey know that's you. all right that's all right you know what we do know is in 64 games yeah and that's, yeah. And that's yeah. all that matters that that, that, that that is the glue that binds us all together yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like the force um all so right. thank you all so much for listening uh this has been another episode of no refunds um once again thank you so much to alex from crash test live and thank you so much to brian from brian's world um for coming on and hanging out um we you can email us at no refunds podcast at gmail.com you can shoot us an email at no refunds podcast at gmail.com that's the same thing i just said uh you can check us out on facebook uh, you can you can actually email them at no refunds podcast <laughs> holy shit it works um, you can actually email us at no refunds podcast all one word at gmail.com but true, don't include the all one word part because yes. that's like right right yeah. And you are listening to the Hyper Potions uh, Time Trials. They are doing the song right now. Thank you very much. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye. 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 See ya. See ya. Bye. All right. I can't leave. Wait. Oh. <laughs> it was smooth. What a I'm smooth. What a smooth transition. I'm on my iPad because I broke my computer. My school issued computer. So okay. Well, <laughs> and, and there she done. goes abruptly. Wonderful. And okay. There she goes. Just as, like as, as quick as she came, she drifted off into the night.